Hello and welcome to the Inside OSU podcast. I'm Julia Binbrook. The president of OSU Medicine, Dr. Casey Shrum, serves as the Secretary of Science and Innovation for the state of Oklahoma. As a member of Governor Stitt's COVID-19 Solution Task Force, she's explaining how the group worked together to make difficult decisions in hopes of protecting Oklahomans and what we can do as we continue on in what many are calling the new normal. Well, Dr. Shrum, we're recording this on June 10th, and so COVID-19 restrictions have started to ease up around the state of Oklahoma, but the impacts both in the medical field and economically are still being felt in the state. Can you give us an update about where we are right now? Right, so so right now uh, we've moved into phase three and people are starting to move about. We're allowing uh, summer camps to begin and of course, you know, there's still some, some big impacts to the state know economically trying to open up restaurants that had previously shut down um, a lot of our uh, retail were still open but some of them weren't and so we're starting to see people you know move about get back into somewhat of a normal a new normal what we hope is to be a new normal where we're all moving around practicing social distancing wearing the masks in public and really you know getting back into our day-to-day life And then you serve as president of OSU Center for Health Sciences, which is where we are right now. And then also on the governor's cabinet as the secretary of science and innovation. So making those tough decisions for the state, what has that been like considering all people and all different backgrounds issues with this? Right. Well, of course, you know, my background is more around health. And in mid-March when uh, Oklahoma had its first positive case of COVID, The governor asked me to join his task force and of course there are people from you know varying different backgrounds on the task force Um, and i'm i was the only physician on the task force so um you know is is it you feel a great deal of responsibility and um as as we moved into that the most important thing that we looked at um, was making sure that we had data for Oklahoma. Because of course, you know, when we began, um, we were watching New York and other places where they were, you know, their hospital systems were being overrun and, you know, people were not able to get the medical care that they needed. And we were doing, you know, projections and our peak, you know, in the very beginning was very steep. And that was just based on the data that we had. And when I, when I say data, I'm really talking about, you know, tests. The number of people we were testing and because we were so limited in the testing that we had we were only testing hospitalized patients or healthcare workers so we were getting a really high number of positives as as well as seeing high numbers of those positives in the hospital because they we were only testing the very ill and so my first you know really goal um, going on to the task force was how do we expand testing capabilities within the state and you know, I, I think my experience, one, you know, working at OSU as the president has allowed me to, you know, build relationships across the state with varying entities, healthcare, you know, entities with our residency programs across the state. So, you know, it, it made it a little bit easier for me um, having the OSU resource, but also the partnerships and the relationships that I've built through, you know, serving as the president at OSU. Um, to, to really begin to say, you know, we need to pull people together and, um, 
you know, get our testing capabilities up so that we could begin, you know, really testing Oklahomans so that we would know what was going on in our state and we could make decisions based on what was occurring right here in Oklahoma. Uh, and, you know, we, we did at one point say, you know, we need to, we need to hit the pause button. We need to do what the governor referred to as safer at home and only have essential businesses going because we, you know, when it got down to it, we had to know how many ventilators did we have in the state? How many hospital beds? And, you know, the entire state. So it's, it's a huge undertaking to really start to look at, you know, what are the resources that we have available? What are we, what do we predict that we're going to need? And then how do we build a plan around moving, you know, if, if we were to have the catastrophic event that, you know, we watched play out in New York, how are we going to handle that as a state? You know, how, how are we going to transport patients? Because, you know, we have a rural aspect and we have, you know, we needed to look at what it takes to transport, you know, do we have IMSA? Do we have enough ambulances to transport people? And so, you know, it really was a lot of work in the beginning, but, you know, those decisions were made based on data and, and really just a collaborative decision-making with everybody from different backgrounds coming in and having, you know, sometimes tough conversations about, you know, this is what I think needs to occur from my perspective and really, you know, advising the governor and helping him to make those decisions uh, that he felt were best for the state. So take us into the room when those decisions were made to put that safer at home mandate into place. Yeah. So every day we would, we met at what we referred to as the MAC or the multi-agency command center, which had the task force, uh, the, the um, National Guard, and we would, there were many people working every day inside that space. Uh, and in the evenings, around five o'clock, the governor would come in and we would do a briefing. So every day, we looked at the number of positive cases, we looked at the number of hospital beds that were occupied. I mean, we, we looked at all sorts of data every day and the governor was briefed on that. And then after, after those meetings, that small group from the task force would meet with the governor to really talk about what did we just see what were the you know what were the questions that were posed during those briefings and talk through with him you know what he wanted to do what actions he wanted to take and and even in those briefings we would hear you know what other state what actions other states were doing and and you know what president trump had had done that day and so you know when we really started looking at okay we are seeing our curve was very steep in the very beginning. And we really didn't have, you know, a plan in place to say, here's, here's how we'll take care of Oklahomans. We hadn't educated our entire workforce across the state to say, you know, if, if a patient gets sick in rural Oklahoma and, you know, that hospital has to keep that patient there, how are we gonna support that doctor who may not feel comfortable managing a patient on a ventilator? And, and so we really had, from, from a health perspective, you know, I was saying we really have to hit a pause button and let our health system catch up. And the Secretary of Health felt the same way. But at the same time, you know, we understand that, that shutting things down causes hardship for Oklahomans too. And while we were seeing more cases in Oklahoma City and Tulsa, we weren't necessarily seeing them in rural parts of the state. So you had all these varying, you know, it's gonna have a varying impact on many different people. 
and some, you know, some communities weren't experiencing any positives at that point in time. So it was really, I think, very difficult for the governor, and it was a very difficult balancing act between deciding, okay, do we, do we start shutting things down, which we know would cause a, an increase in unemployment, and people being at home for you know, extended periods of time, we know that has an impact on mental health, being isolated and not having a job or having uncertainty. So I really feel like you know, it, it, was, it was taken you know, very seriously um, with a lot of consultation and that meeting went into the evening and into breakfast the next morning. And so you know, there were a lot of 18 hour days um, between you know, working with various entities and, and putting plans in place and then you know, debriefing and making decisions. How do you feel right now? Because I know this is not over. Right. Well, as I'm you know, watching this, I'm, you know, it's, it's kind of the watchful waiting. Um, I feel very confident that Oklahoma has a strong plan in place. Um, we used Project ECHO, which is something that you know, was brought to Oklahoma from OSU Center for Health Sciences to educate all of our providers, all of our IMSA workers, um, all of our hospital administrators. I mean, we have educated everyone who touches our healthcare, you know, uh, in the state of Oklahoma on our plan. So I feel like we're ready. Um, our testing capabilities are there. And so we just ha we have certain triggers that, you know, are being monitored at the state level, um, looking at the percentage of, of hospitalizations, percent positives, looking for statistical significance. You know, epidemiologists are at the health department and the health department is prepared and they're doing a nice job now. So, um, you know, it's nice, I think, to get out and, and move around and to see people, you know, kind of getting back into our daily lives. I think we have to all understand that you know the virus is going to be here and you know we live every day you know with with risks infectious risks we just have to be smart about it and so you know we're, we're all going to have to re you know use some common sense understand you know our own you know individual health and the health of our family and make decisions based on that but you know i encourage everybody as you you know get out there wear your mask um, do the social distancing, hand washing, don't touch your face. And I know it's, you know, it's kind of counterintuitive to our culture a little bit in Oklahoma yeah. to have a mask on. Because I know handshakers too. Handshakers, yeah. huggers, smile, you know, smiles. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but you know, the, we just have to recognize when I wear a mask, um, you know, it's really for me about wanting to make sure that I'm protecting other people. Because if I have it and I don't know, you know, I want to make sure that I'm not exposing someone unnecessarily. So um, I think we can all kind of think about that um, and, and really just wait and see, you know, we're learning more every day. So, you know, I have conversations with people all the time and we get all these conflicting reports about you should do this, you should do this, and sometimes they don't coincide. I think it's always best to be safe and to use caution as we're moving through this time and we're, we're learning more and more. And so just, you know, of getting back out there and doing what we do. And then testing is huge and your worlds collide here because OSU has been a huge help yes. in that. Can you touch on what the yeah. OSU family has done? Yeah. Well, I, can, I, I cannot even probably begin to tell you how proud I am of OSU, just in, in so many ways about how so many people really showed up. In, and I, I think it really highlights the importance of our academic institutions 
um, and how they can really be resources in great times of needs, not just for education, but for, you know, um, catastrophic events or, for example, the pandemic. Um, but I was really, really, I, I'm really proud, and I think that all of the OSU family would be proud of the way that we carried out that land-grant mission. I mean, we're an academic institution, but we were able to be nimble and meet the needs of our state and our communities when they needed it the most. Um, when, when I, you know, joined the task force in mid-March, as I said, we were, only, we were only able to test, you know, very few people through the state health department. And, um, you know, I brought along uh, my deputy secretary, Elizabeth Pollard, who's been, you know, wonderful help in all of this. Um, to, to really help us. And the governor called for everyone, let, you know, be innovative and think outside the box. We need to, we need to help Oklahomans right here in Oklahoma because part of the challenge was, you know, everyone across the globe was experiencing this. Right. And so we couldn't rely on, you know, out of state uh, labs to help us out. We couldn't rely on a supply chain from outside the country because the country was all experiencing it. So it was really a squeeze and what we found right here, you know, within OSU was the um, ODAL, or the, the, you know, Oklahoma Animal Diagnostic Lab that is run with vet med and, you know, works with our Secretary of Agriculture, Blaine Arthur. Um, and we found that they had the, the testing equipment that we needed to do human testing for coronavirus because they're doing the, the genomics testing for animals already. And so we were quickly able to make a partnership between the medical school and, and the vet med school and bring our lab uh, expertise in human labs over and partner uh, with, with the vet med lab to really begin doing testing. And I, I, as a matter of fact, I was talking to President Hargis today and he was telling me that he had, during uh, about, I guess, mid-April, um, he got a text message from the governor just saying how proud he was to be a cowboy and how OSU just really stepped up because at that point in time, we had tested 30,000 people across the state. OSU had run 10,000 of those. Oklahoma State University continues to live out its land-grant mission during the COVID-19 pandemic. The diagnostic lab that Dr. Shrum mentioned is still processing testing kits from across the state, and members of the Cowboy family are researching ways to test more efficiently. Thank you for listening to the Inside OSU podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.